Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace upon our life. Thank you for your visitation and your hand extended towards us. Thank you for providing protection and thank you for providing uh, direction for our lives and wisdom uh, that each moment in this life would have the prescription of this is the day the Lord has made for us to rejoice and to be glad and we want to live your purposes for our lives and that you tell your story of love and grace through our families and that our tradition would be one to celebrate your goodness and your mercy in our lives every day until we depart from this world and into the next like every previous generation Lord that our encouragement would be being absent in this world is to be present before you and that is our dream come true Father we give you thanks for this day we give you thanks for this word and that it would be the necessary word that would carry us into the challenges that we face the adversities, the hardships that we confront in this life. And we give you thanks for the overcoming power and grace of Jesus Christ, who is more than a champion. He's the champion of champions. And I pray, O oh God, that we would follow his footprints and his life, that we would imitate it and also finish gloriously and victoriously as he did. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path, a good seed planted in each heart, and that we would be moved uh, strongly, that there would be a strong urgency in our heart to move in your direction and not be distracted or detoured. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The challenge that we were speaking of last week, uh, being the sons of God, is... Uh, found in Psalm 82, where God asked the question, how long will you keep postponing coming to the forefront of your call? And, and for whatever reason that we don't, um, the Lord asked us the question, uh, Psalm 82 and verse 2. He asks, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality, favoritism to the wicked? We seem to be called as champions of the Lord. Um, we fret a little bit that God would choose us like in the case of Gideon that he says, uh, courageous and mighty man, and he's like, who, who is he talking about? Surely it cannot be me. I'm the smallest of my family. I'm the least of my tribe. I'm the most insignificant. I'm in a wine press. Uh, uh, it says that he was sifting wheat in a wine press. That means he was scared. You do, you're supposed to sift wheat out in the open so the air 
carries the garbage and the grains fall on the ground. He's in a place where there is no wind and he's sifting wheat in a wine press. That means that uh, he's out of his element. It's a fish out of water at that point. You can't be a champion when you're walking in a cowardly position. So here God says, how long will we judge improperly? Um, in this world, everything is off course. Uh, I was just having an early dinner tonight and I, I was having, I was sitting down with Pastor Jose Medieros and I said, take a look to our right here. There you have a wicked man, a wicked witch, and a, a feminine son, a son who has no courage. And that is the product of our day. Men who walk without God don't produce the fruits that God intended man to produce. And so when we're talking about uh, our day is a day, and it says it there also, um, I'm going to look up that verse real quickly. Verse 5 they don't know, they don't understand, they walk in darkness, and every framework to build anything upon the earth is unstable and out of place. So for however we profess to be wise and capable and competent, and every, anybody will tell you, I'm doing what I feel like doing, we're not creating the future and the prosperity that God intended for man. And so how long will we judge unjustly? How long will we show favoritism to things wicked? How come we do not know, we do not understand, and we walk in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are unstable? And so he wants us... Um, he wants us to be champions. And champions means that we, we're able to arise, rise above the adversity and the conflict. And we were talking about this on Monday night with the men. If you were here on Monday night, we went over 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, yes, in our physical state, we're... we're we're earthen vessels. We could, we could readily identify with the fact that, that we're weak. But there is an excellence of the power that comes from God and not of us. In other words, whatever your condition is, if you add God to it, this is a champion cause. That means you, you overcome you, you attain level of excellence. That's what a champion is, a person who lives for excellence. Last week we were talking about don't be overwhelmed by the fact that you're being disciplined and corrected and, and you're suffering because that is the game plan. The, the game plan for those who decide to follow Jesus Christ and the cross is evidence of suffering. Um, in those days, this is where they used to crucify people, execute people, bring people to their death. And so that is the symbol of our victory, that the one we follow was able to overcome 
and he was crucified and raised from the dead and lives forevermore and he's victorious. Um, let's say tonight that Jesus is the champion of all champions of all times. He is the model. What's, what's contained in the essence of Christ is a huge, uh, triumphant, victorious God. And so that's where we're following suit. Um, when I got here the first day, my confession was, there's no way, there's no way that I can champion life. Uh, as far back as I could look to my ancestors, my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my parents, my uncles, my aunts, they had all not been able to navigate life in a prosperous manner. Um, my first question to the Lord is how do I prosper? And his response was in Psalm 1. He says, your prosperity comes from sticking your nose in the word of God day and night, night and day, and making it your meditation for everything that goes on in life. And we'll go there to Psalm 1 um, so that you begin to, to receive the provision of God. This man who's a champion... The man who attains blessing doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, the one who doesn't know, the one who doesn't judge correctly, nor stands in the path of sinners. There's geographic placement for us not to be around certain circles, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And for a good 30 years, I didn't know what these words mean. These are Bible words. Uh, but you don't want to sit down where a man who scorns sit down. And we see uh, Psalm, I mean Proverbs 15, 12. Years later, the Lord begins to open up our eyes and says, A mocker, a scoffer, does not want, does not love the one that corrects him. So in our generation, there's a lot of people that do not want to be around people that correct you. And, and this makes for a horrible scenario as, I, as we walk the malls. And, and forget about the malls. Today I was sitting at a pastor's luncheon and, and I was seeing a lot of pastors. They have no appetite for any correction, for any uh, semblance uh, of anything good. Uh, one of the pastors says, so what do you do for a living? I say, we, what, what's the focus of your ministry? I say, we make champions. Because after 20 years, if you don't have a champion, then what are you doing? If 20 years of your ministry, you haven't been able to raise up a world changer, it doesn't, that you shouldn't be around as a church. The church is, is the place where champions are made, Period. The Bible says those being formed in the image and likeness of Christ. And, and obviously my next door neighbor is a pastor's son and he says this all the time. I grew up in church and all I saw was a bunch of losers. People that cheated. People that cut corners. People that were weak. People that, that were worse than non-believers. And that's true. Any one of us at any second can justify our wickedness. By pointing to someone next to us. But I guarantee you, if you point to Jesus, you're going to be totally mistaken. This is the place where Jesus is manifest. 
If you can't see Jesus in this place, you're blind, you're deaf, you're dumb. You're down outright wicked because I told him, I said, you could write a book this thick of all the bad things you see in this place. There's a bunch of twisted things, but you could write a book this big of all the things you see about God in this place. You choose to focus on that which justifies your attitude and wickedness. But if you choose to say, God, have mercy on me and let me see your glory in this place. This is one of the definitions that, that um, David gives about the church. David says about the church, we're going to find that verse. Um, he calls it the place your glory dwells. He says, I love I love that place where your glory dwells. Uh, Psalm 26, verse 8. I love your habitation. I love your house, Lord. I love the place where your glory dwells. You'd have to be deaf, dumb, and stupid not to see the power of God in this place. You'd have to be deliberate in your wickedness. Um, and, and I say that we have sufficient manifestation of the glory of God. And if you're saying, Joaquin, where is it? Look to the person right next to you right now. Look at the person in front of you. Look at the person behind you. And if you don't see it, have coffee with them and ask them to explain how the power and the might of God omnipotent has them in this place. I, I look out to, to you guys. I see the glory of God. I see the goodness of God, the mercy of the Lord. So this is what, this is one of the, the description God, uh, David gives about the house of God. Uh, we do well also in understanding. You know who doesn't like this place? The wicked. The wicked do not, does not like the gathering of God's people. Um, one day I asked the Lord uh, what was his favorite place upon the earth. And he said, when two or three gather in my name. I'll be there. Imagine that. I don't, I don't know what your favorite place is, but Jesus says, wherever there's two or three gathered in my name, I will be present. And so, if this becomes his favorite place, Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three gather in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Jesus is right here, right now. It's awesome. Awesome that he's right here, right now. Some of us that are here are not here right now. But Jesus is here right now. And so it is this atmosphere and climate that is the climate of champions. This is where Jesus said he would send, what, so Psalm 133, he says, there's a place where I will command my blessing and I will recharge people with my life in that, in that gathering. We could read Psalm 133. In verse 1, it says, behold, take back and, and consider how good and Pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And he says, that is the place, verse 3, that's like a, 
a dew that comes from Hermon, the highest place, descending upon Mount Zion. For there the Lord commands blessing and life forever. This is the place where, where the Bible says that, that God allows us to flourish. Um, I, I see the, the testimony of Christians that had the incredible blessing to grow up in the house of the Lord. And, and they have a testimony. Uh, Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Verse 13. Those that are rooted, planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. That's a, that's a huge promise. We're not to be uprooted. We're to be rooted and, 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 and planted in the house of the Lord. And we will begin to flourish in manners that, um, that serve as a reference to our nation, to, to, our, to our community. Let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We, we talked about it, but we, we started, but we didn't finish. There, this treasure in earthen vessel, there's the exterior... Um, in a heartbeat, you can tell that, that, that the essence of the vessel is something temporary. But that which is inside the vessel is the excellence of his power. And so the proof is verse 8, that we're assaulted. The word used hard-pressed on every side. We're, we're, we be confronted. We're being, we're, there's challenges we, we, could, we could instantly describe our life as a huge uh, opposition. That's, what, that's, what, that, that's a military term that, that we're surrounded by our enemies, but we're not crushed. The enemy makes for a great uh, explanation of how he has us at his mercy but the truth be said there's something that sustains us uh, we are perplexed the word amazed we're, we're, we're we wonder but our being perplexed and being amazed does not lead us to faint we're not in despair we're not without hope uh, it doesn't matter nowadays who I talk to One of the titles of God is the God of all hope. So whatever the issue is, whatever the issue is, God is sufficient. God, God has a wherewithal. He, he shows up and we're not in despair. We're not without hope. We're not without answers. Verse 9, uh, we continue to show the intensity of those enemies that persecute us. But we're not forsaken, we're not forgotten, we're not given up to our enemies, uh, even struck down. Um, there's forces that come against us that, that, that thrust us to the ground. Um, 
and leave us like like with the with the question you know something um i was just sitting with 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 jose palma in october and i said look i'm, I'm going to be super honest with you i'm super exhausted and tired i'm super you know it just continues to be a continual setback and setback and setback and setback and I find myself prostrate on the ground on zero and I feel even foolish to tell you there's not one ounce in me that's giving up I feel foolish to say that when when you're thrown down and you're you're zero 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 you you uh, you built a zero and and I told him listen I'm gonna ask you and I asked him this question is it foolish for me to tell you that I'm still not giving up I'm not and that's what this is talking about you're struck down but there's still the presence of God which refuses to throw in the towel at what God has promised. And so it's been too long. It's been too long for us to see the mighty works and faithfulness of our God and say that's it. It's just it's not, it, it, it's not in our DNA. We're, the, the, the Bible talks about the incorruptible seed. And, and there's a seed out there that, that, that eventually gives up. But God is saying that now, First uh, Peter 1.23, he says, For you have been born again, not of some cheap leftover seed, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, because of the word of God which lives in you, and it never dies. So... It's in us. We've been injected with that overcoming champion spirit that doesn't allow us to be thrown to the side or forsaken or forgotten or uh, pronounced. This is like Joseph. Um, There's it, it just everything in his life dictated that, that it was not going to happen with the, his dreams. But he continued to persevere. He continued to pursue something supernatural and that's operating in us and thank God it's in our children too Amen. children are not exhausted I grew up here in South Florida I got real bad news yesterday um, as I used to drive to Fort Lauderdale to go to my law school uh, for over four years in a row, just uh, three years of law school and then everything I did afterwards, working and everything. And I would always see on the side of the road a billboard that said, uh, Excellence in Fine Jewelry, Mark Levinson, Levinson Jewelers in Los, Las Olas Boulevard, uh, Dan Marino's jeweler, uh, the most prominent philanthropist, uh, congenial, uh, up-and-coming guy yesterday he decided to write a suicide note and call it quits and shoot himself and and he's a prominent member of that community but guess what there's no DNA there there's their despair just overtook him overran him now in the presence of God there's there's life 
There's abundance, there's strength, there's, there's vigor, there's vitality. I don't know how to explain it, but, but there's no, he doesn't have one amongst his troops that loses heart. Um, so here it is, he says, we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he writes again, he says, do you not know that those who run in a race, uh, all run, but not all receive the prize, run in such a way that you might obtain it. Now here's the question I'm asking you. Are you running in your life with Christ as a champion? You know, the, the opposite of a champion is a chimp. You're just a monkey. Or a chump. And that you just, you're just not walking at the level of excellence that God is requiring of you with an excellent spirit. That's what, that's what would crown Daniel's life. It says um, Daniel was ten times uh, more excellent than his companions. And so when you, when you say these things, the question is, um, don't let somebody deceive you. Don't let somebody come. Um, Daniel one twenty. You know our our DNA, our blood, our 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 passion for God in this world is different than all the rest. Others decide to be mediocre. Others decide to compromise, to negotiate. But Daniel, in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined, he found them ten times better than all the other magicians and astrologers who were in all his kingdom, in his realm. Ten times. I want to tell you why. Because um, when I was a young Christian, I thought it was pixie dust. I thought that these guys were 10 times smarter because there was a little magic. No, it's not magic. You know what it was? It was obedience. It was humility. It was diligence. It was honor. These character principles of the Spirit of God were on these young men. And, and my kids say it all the time. He says, Dad, we're in college now. And all these guys, all they do is party all the time. They drink. They curse. They don't go to class. And, and there's a different spirit on my sons. There's a whole different dynamic of these young men that want to live for the glory of God. And so uh, as Nick was the first of our sons to decide, he, he has a preaching called the, the Day of Decision. Nick, where are you? He's in the conference room? Um, he, he, he said, the day I decided. That was, that, was, that was one of his premier messages. He must have been 13 years old. And that was the day he decided he would be obedient, he would be respectful, he would be honorable, he would be... A, a, a son who followed after Jesus' desire for his life. And, and he says it. That was the day I decided it. And, and so to have that, that approach is what causes Daniel in chapter 1 verse 20 to 
rise up to another level. He's not part of the free. Uh, and so Joshua has fallen in suit just because he decided he, he, he saw his older brother and says, I'll, I'll be like Nick. I, I want to go the way, the path of blessing. And then this year, uh, being a senior in high school, Nick has says, I'm going to be like my brothers. I mean, Brandon. Brandon says, I'm going to follow Nick and Josh. And I'm, I'm going to take it up to a level of honor. I'm going to take it up to, to respect. And so the way they approach Yvette and I uh, with anything that happens in their life is, is I'm, I'm in shock. I'm, my, my, my jaw drops. How these guys want to walk in a spirit of excellence. How they want to walk in such a manner that pleases not, not only their parents, but God. And so... Paul is talking about those of us that will run this race and run it in such a capacity that we win. Um, please, let's read that again, 1 Corinthians 9.24. And, and as I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my heart tonight, I want you to bring it into your life. If you're a woman, I'm talking about you being a champion wife, a champion daughter, a champion a woman of God in ministry and not uh, floundering around at, at levels of compromise and mediocrity. So he says, run in such a way that you might win the prize. And, and you know who wins the prize? Say with me, champion. And a champion is the one who finishes in first place. That's, that's the mindset. And so while some people will look at our lives and say, man, you, you read the Bible so much, and man, you go to church so much, and, and you know, turn it on them. Say, you go to church too little. You don't read the Bible enough. Turn it on them. Don't let them flip you to their side. Ask them how many times they go to the mall, how long they stay there. Some kids, their, their parents drop them off at the mall and, and come back in six hours. Well, th that's what's happening here at church. Our guys want to raise up to be champions in this world and not flounder around some mall waiting to grow up uh, far from the purposes of God. Today, my, my, my heart broke watching men without vision, without identity, without purpose, without significance. Uh, that there's no reason for it in the light of what God has called us to, that we might win. Philippians 3.14, Paul compares it to pressing on. That word press uh, has an aspect of struggle. This is not, the current of the world is, is pulling you away from excellence. This is, this is don't be radical, turn it down, tune it down, don't be so intense, don't, no sobresalgas, don't, don't be overachieving, just conform. But that's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is the book of champions. The, 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 the Savior is a champion. Not, not, he doesn't, he's not theoretical. He's not theological. He is the substance of championship DNA. And as you worship him, you become like that which you worship. That's why God said, don't worship false idols. You become what you worship. So as we worship him, the Bible says, as we press, 
toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is, this is a high and lofty measure. And so I was talking to my son, 2 Timothy 4.7. I was talking to Nick yesterday. I said, Nick, um, this life is so funny because we're to fight this good fight of faith with the promise of finding the finish line. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. How many can't wait to be able to say those words? Amen. I've finished. I've kept the faith. Amen. I'm solid through and through a champion. I stand in, in the place where Christ has invited me to stand. The devil has nothing on me. I, I want to be able to say those words. I'm still running the race. Um, if you're going to run the race, you got to give those things that have value, value and priority. Uh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's, that's Paul telling Timothy. I, Jesus finished and ran the race. He was the forerunner. I have run the race and I've finished. At one time in his life, um, Paul had not finished. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, I don't, none of these things move me. I have nothing influencing my life, nor do I count my life as dear that I might finish my race with joy. He's still running the race. He's still pacing himself out. He's still picking up strength. He's still putting one foot in front of the other in the right direction. How many, how many believe if you step in the right direction, you'll get to where you're going? This is how they say you eat an elephant. How many know the secret of eating an elephant? One bite at a time, okay? One bite at a time. That's the same way you run the Christian race. One step at a time in the right direction. And, and so we're seeing uh, this gathering of champions and I was talking to Pastor Jose Medieros today. He says, Joaquin, um, from where we began without Christ to where we are, a lot of people have not realized that they're championing this life. They're not, they're not realizing where God has brought them to. And so the truth of the matter is we're, we're, we're at this stage where we can say like Paul, none of these things are dear to me. That's what he means by moved. Um, this has to be your reality if you're going to be a champion. Your gut, emotional state cannot be deposited anywhere but in Christ. You, you cannot have affections for this world. Um, you'll see that those that were disqualified... Um, had that, we, we talked about it on, on Sunday. Um, they had their affections in this world. And so that, having the affections, the emotions in this world, lead people to betray Christ. And so um, Paul talks about uh, a brother by the name of Demas who betrayed him, who, who started doing other things. And uh, 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul
Paul says, none of these things move me in Acts. But here he says, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed in another direction. The affections are very tricky. Wherever you set your affections, guess what, my friend? You're going in that direction. So what does the Bible say in Colossians? He says, set your affections upstairs on things above. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. A, a champion keeps his eye on his gold. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on earth. Well, pastor, I just can't because I'm... Yeah, of course you can't. You don't have the eye of the tiger. The eye of the tiger is, is focused. It's not moving. does not sway. Uh, so God is calling us to set our affections on things above, not things below. I, you guys know, because I've shared this before, I wanted to know how love was developed. And so I went, not because I, I had problems with Yvette, um, I wanted to know how, if, if the first commandment is to love God above all things, well, how do you love something? So I went to Barnes and Nobles and I went to the section on love, to the romance section. And, and I, I found out how is it a person falls in love? Well, you know what the number one thing is for falling in love? Does anybody know the secret of love? Spend time. Whoever you spend time with, that's where your affection's gonna be. So what's the Bible says? Don't hang out with worldly people. Don't hang out with people that you're gonna be trapped into setting your affections upon. You're gonna be a champion for the Lord? Set your affections on Him. Spend time with Him. Occupy your time in His presence. Cultivate that relationship. Uh, don't miss a church service. Don't miss an opportunity to be around people who love Jesus. And, and the second thing um, for cultivating love and affection, what do you guys think it is? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If you don't deposit value in something it's without your pool so i would tell men that would come into my office give your wife everything you have i guarantee you, you're going to love her so give god everything you have i guarantee where your treasure is there your heart is also but if we're our treasure is outside of the kingdom outside of christ outside of church you your your affections are like lot lot's wife well, where was her affections? Anybody know? In Sodom. The Lord was saying, I'm going to destroy all this. You run. And she was like, uh, uh, uh. looking backwards when the Lord is telling her to run. But because her investment, her emotions, her, her, her life was invested in that which, uh, which was not God's order for her, gripped her heart. And, and kept her from God's purpose. Uh, I want to show you, here's what the devil does. 1 Samuel 17, 23. And we're finishing here now. Make sure you run with me these last couple of steps because they're going to be super important. 
First Samuel 17, 23, then as he talked with them, there was a champion. You should circle that word there in the Bible. There was the chosen amongst the ranks of the Philistine was a champion by the name of Goliath. And he would come up from the armies, he would come out of the troops of the Philistines, the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. He heard the words that were being uttered by this champion. Something struck in the heart of David when when words were being uttered from this champion of the Philistines that rubbed him super wrong, David had the wherewithal to say, there's only one person that makes champions. And we're not going to sit here and stand listening to that which is totally twisted. We, if you weren't here on Sunday, you do well in getting the message. So the Lord told us that in this faith, we're going to have enemies that come against us and uh, who they are. And, and he, his name came up. But an enemy wants to diminish your courage, wants to diminish your strength, wants to recategorize who you are. And so David heard this man, verse 24 this champion of the Philistines. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Look at these champions running in the opposite direction. Their affections were moved contrary to the excellence of God's call for their life. As they ran from this man... Uh, champion of the enemy and the troops of darkness there, verse 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up here? Surely he has come up to defy us and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich and give great riches and will give him his daughter and, he get, and gives his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. This, this guy had the whole kit and caboodle there. And you start championing God's cause, favor starts falling in your direction at increased levels. And I, I just want to tell you, verse 51 in this chapter tells the end of the story. It says that the true champion was David who ran and stood over this Philistine took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed and cut off his hand. And it, it was then that the Philistines saw that their champion was dead and they began to run. And that's, why I, that's the point I want to see. I want to see you come against those things which are stealing your right of championship. Your... Uh, inheritance as God's champion. If you 
understand tonight what God is saying. Your call is not anything short of rising to this level so that all will see their supposed champion dead and begin to flee and give room to the real champion. Give room to the very victors that are on God's side. Um, I, I hope that tonight places the reason why there's an expectation. I, I just, I spoke with a man this morning. And I said, you know what? What you're doing to your children is criminal. Because God has called you to raise up champions and you're stealing from them. You're stripping them. All the provision for them to rise up in their generation to be princes. Because you want to conform to mediocrity. You want to conform to the status quo. You want to impress worldly and ungodly friends. You want to fit in the culture and the community. And God is calling you to raise up these champions that are going to take the nations by storm. And be filled with the spirit of God and know the wisdom of God. And not compromise and love excellence. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says that the beginning of corruption for a champion are the people he gathers with. Do not be deceived. You can't be an evil company and carry good habits. If you're going to be a prince, it's because you hang out with a prince. If you're going to be a champion, it's because you're going to be gathered with champions. You're going to put your lot in with those that are being fierce and fearless. You cannot be a champion when you're not preparing for being a champion. You can't be a champion if you're not allowed to be trained up as a champion. Those people who rise up as champions are those that were, um, what's it called, groomed. David said, you know something? Uh, I know how to sling a slingshot. I know, I know how to be an expert. I know I've been trained up for this. I've overcome the wolf and the bear and the lion. I've come up against adversities and I've been a champion since I was a young man. You, you cannot have fearful parents and raise up a champion. You can't. It needs to be those that are courageous. Like father, like son. Like shepherd, like sheep. God raises champions amongst his people. Uh, that is the DNA that runs in our blood. That, that, is, that is it. People that stand strong for God. Judges chapter 2 verse 16. He says every generation God would raise up champions to lead his people. Your, your children... They're not just regular youth. I, I always say to the young ones, uh, to the, like Jeremy and, and Julian and all these, man, you imagine if I would have been raised up from the time I was five in the house of God, getting lollipops from a champion? You know that I'm going to be a lollipop giver. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to fight the battles of the Lord. He says whenever, no, 216. Judges 2.16, he says that for every generation, 
notwithstanding what was going on, God raised up champions who would deliver his people out of the hands of those who mistreated them. What is a champion if it's not that? One who raises up to help people come out of trouble. That's what we do all day long. And verse 17 says that while God was doing this, they would not listen to their champions, but they played the harlot. They were serving and bowing down to other things. They turned quickly away from the witch their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. You know that God, God is leading us to big things um, when he puts us in this atmosphere. Listen, there is no piety, self-righteousness in what we're doing. Ah, there is a temptation to puff up and think we're better than anybody else, but there's not. If you train like a champion, you become a champion. A, a gentleman says, why are you so serious? This is because I'm not playing around. Well, why are you so, I said, you wouldn't ask that to an Olympic athlete. You would not ask one who trains for the Olympics why he's so serious. You know why you ask the question? Because you're not. So here, 1 Corinthians 1, 25, and we finish with this. He says, those things that people consider not wise, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than the things that men call strong. Verse 26, and God has chosen See our calling, there's not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that call themselves mighty. Verse 28, and the base things of this world, the things that are, which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So that no flesh glories in his presence. What's that mean? That, that he will continue to be the one that produces champions. He will be the one that continues to raise the bar. As we follow Christ in his courage, his passion, his faithfulness. We're not going to make the mistake of falling short. Ecclesiastes 10.16 says, woe to the nation who's keen as a child. You know something? Let's not fall short on our training. Let's not stumble at the end of the course uh, to be washed out. Let's, let's press forward. Let's ask the musicians to come forward. And tonight... 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as we behold him, as, as, as we respond to who he is. Let's put that up there, please. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's stand tonight and, and spend some time in His presence, worshiping Him. You know, do not be defined by 
your weakness because God perfects his strength in that area. Um, in my life, uh, more than than more than the amount of people I would like to admit would say there is no future. There is no hope. There's a lot of foolishness. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't resonate with champion DNA, but Christ in us, a, a spirit of excellence. I, I, I hope you do not conform. Uh, I love to see these older men that are waiting to die to meet the Lord. And, and they, they have confessed like this. I, I think you guys saw that. Who was it that was here recently? Hmm? You guys remember? Sixto Porras. He was there and he says, man, I'm going to preach at my own funeral. You guys, and, and the, the excitement that these men of God have for the reality of their coming in to that last lap, the finishing line, the finishing line of this race, and not being, making a mad dash into eternity with full presence of God, singing his mighty name, the, the champions of our faith who gave their life at the flames were were cooking them and they were like fire, fire for God. They were singing praises to the king. They marveled their persecutors. Their persecutor says we've never seen people like this. Everyone fears death and these men are singing songs. A lot of them would come to the Lord. Let's sing to the Lord tonight and ask God, spirit of excellence, Holy Spirit, fall afresh upon me and shake the dust off my feet and foolish thoughts from my mind that I might run this race passionately, fervently, diligently for the glory of God every minute, every second, every day. Raise your hands Christ. to the heavens. Tell them, God, bring it down. Bring it down. You are enough. You are sufficient to sustain me. To create, oh God, the full force of a champion. Yes, Lord. Spirit of God. Fall afresh. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything. 
everything I need is in you. Everything I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. Christ is enough. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Sing it again. Christ is enough. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me Tell everything i need everything i need is in you everything i need lord jesus you are our champion you're mighty. You're victorious. You overcame sin and death. You rose up. You overcame death by the power of your resurrection. That power which is available to us to live an overcoming life that we might respond to the opposition. Who is this that defies the armies of the Lord? Who is this that speaks contrary to the throne of heaven? Father, we pray in Jesus' name that this generation might know champions, yes, Jesus. those who honor, yes. those who obey, those who do not fret and fear. Those who face adversity and hardship. And even when they're struck down, they do not remain prostrate to the enemies, O oh God. But that they rise strong. That they rise up with your words in their mouth. Overcoming words. That he who is in us is greater than he who's in the world. You have called us to a high, a high and upward call in Christ Jesus. That we not flounder, O oh God, in the mediocrity of indifference, of apathy, of neglect, O oh God. 
We cannot neglect such great and glorious gospel. We're not ashamed of the power of God unto salvation, unto victory. I pray for the women in this place, O oh God, that they would be championing the cause of their families. That they would make Christ the greatest treasure. That they would make their homes a refuge for the Spirit of God. A place where holy devotion and purity of your presence would be evident, O oh God. No compromise. Lord, allow these women to usher in your praises into the hearts of their sons, to the hearts of their grandchildren, as they pick godly wives, godly husbands, O oh God, so that they would leave an inheritance for their children's children, O oh God. A righteous man, a righteous woman, leaves a legacy of champions, O oh God, kingmakers, O oh God, upon this earth, O oh God. I pray for the husbands and the fathers, Lord. Remove the spirit of fear, O oh God. Remove the spirit of cowardness, O oh God. Cowarding under elements and influences and spirits that are ungodly, impure, O oh God. That they would rise up in their generation with holy devotion, pure hearts and a pure hands to serve you, O oh God. To offer themselves up to be your princes in this time, in this season. Allow your church to be the birthplace of champions, O oh God. Where we're groomed and trained in the fear of God. Our children love the place where your glory dwells, O oh God. The testimonies of your salvation. Brought us out of darkness to your marvelous light, O oh God. We have nothing and we owe nothing to this world, O oh God. We owe all things to you. We give you thanks for tonight's word, O oh God. We bless you. We bless you. We honor you, O oh God. Give you all the glory and praise in this house. In Jesus' name we pray in the house. The body of Christ says amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.